This is Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here's your host, D.C. Lundberg. Thank you very much, J.M. This is Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, or T-L-O-P-N, or Tloppin. Tloppin is, of course, brought to you by Built Bar. I am D.C. Lundberg, and the Locked On Mariners party in the panhandle continues. Today, coming to you on location from Wallace, Idaho. Yes, historic Wallace, Idaho, ladies and gentlemen. Gateway to the Rockies, center of the universe, and no, I'm not making any of this up. This will be the final week of the party in the panhandle as Spokane County will finally be allowed to begin reopening on June 1st. It is about damn time. Way too late, but we are going to be trying to get back to a decent level of normality. So the party in the panhandle is coming to a close. Well, and also because I'm running out of cities in Idaho, which I can drive to in a reasonable amount of time. In any case, please remember to download, rate, and subscribe to Locked On Mariners on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or whichever podcasting app that you personally care to use. Ask your smart device to play Locked On Mariners podcast or any of the other programs here on Tloppin. Follow the program on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners and follow me on Twitter as well at DC underscore Lundberg, L-U-N-D-B-E-R-G if you're scoring at home. Over the last couple of weeks, I updated the 3,000-hit club to see what its members' uh, career hit totals may have looked like if the 1981 and 1994-95 player strikes never occurred. I also started looking at a few Mariners affected by the 94 strike to see what their seasons may have looked like. I was going to project out Ken Griffey Jr.'s 1994 and 1995 seasons, but then I got to thinking. What would have happened if he didn't break his wrist in 1995? What would have happened if he didn't break his hand in 1996? What if his knees didn't give out well with the Reds because of years of playing on AstroTurf? Well, Hank Aaron himself said around the turn of the decade, the century, and millennium, that if any player has a chance to break his all-time home run record, it was Junior because he was consistent and he was young enough to do it. Of course, we all know that Barry Bonds wound up breaking the record, but it's also pretty well known that he had some outside help, as it were. However, back to Griffey. From 1993 to 2000, his low home run total was 40. Aside from 1995, when he broke his wrist and only played 72 games, he never got on track. In that eight-year span, he hit more than 50 home runs twice, and it would have been three if a home run in Cleveland hadn't been washed away by a canceled game in 1996. Injuries started to get the better of him in Cincinnati. From 2001 to 2006, he only averaged 92 games per year. I'm not only curious if he would have broken Hank Aaron's record if he would have stayed healthy, but I'm curious if he would have had more home runs than Barry uh, Barry Bonds. And this may be a major stretch. I don't know because I haven't done the math yet. But how close would he have gotten to 800 home runs? I'm going to try to answer those questions, but after that really long intro and explanation, I see that my time is up for a day. So we'll see you tomorrow from another city in Idaho where we talk about Ken Griffey Jr. Have a nice day. No, 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 no. We're going to get into it now, and it may spill in tomorrow depending on how long this goes. But I'll start with 1994 where he spent no time injured and played all but one of the Mariners' 112 games that season. The Mariners had 50 games erased by the strike and I'm going to project out the end of the season as if the strike didn't happen the same way I did the last couple weeks for other players. 
The Mariners were out of it, but he was also pursuing Roger Maris's single-season home run record that year. However, I did previously project out his home run total to miss by quite a bit at 54. So I'm kind of torn on whether or not Junior would play all 50 remaining games. Yes, he was chasing the record, but by the final week of the season, according to my projection anyway, it would have been obvious that he wasn't going to make it. Still, for the sake of argument, I'll give him all 50 games just for the heck of it. Since 50 games is a somewhat large sample size to project out, in my opinion, since I'm really interested in seeing how a player finished a season, for 1994, I've been uh, both duplicating the exact number of games missed to mimic a player's erased games, and also duplicating half the total games missed and doubling those numbers to mimic the erased games, and either way, using the more favorable projection. In Junior's case, he ends up with the same number of home runs in both projections, but he had a higher batting average during the longer sample size of 50 games, so we'll use that one. In fact, his 322 average during this stretch is only one point off his season-ending average of 323. He gains 14 home runs, 35 RBI, 65 hits in 202 more at-bats, among other stats, and he also gains a whopping 10 intentional walks, which account for half of his season total. No one was pitching to him at this point. He ends this alternate universe version of 1994 with that very same 223 average, but his on-base and slugging both go down. He has 54 home runs, 125 RBI, 37 doubles, 29 intentional walks, 205 hits, which would have been his only season with 200 or more, and 414 total bases, his only season with over 400. I'm going to skip over 1995 and go right to 1996, since 1995 is going to be very complicated, and I'm going to project out that total in a completely different fashion. 1996 is going to be much easier. This is one of the injury seasons to project out with no strike. Also, I'm not going to account for the rain-canceled game in Cleveland, even though it would give him one more home run. Anyways, Junior missed 20 games with that broken hamate bone, not including the game in which he got injured. He only missed one other game all season, and that was in early April after getting off to a slow start. I'm going to throw out the game where he broke his hand as he only had one at bat and left in the third inning. So we're looking at 21 games to account for. I'll take the 11 games prior to the injury and the first 10 games after he returned to mimic those 21 games games lost to injury. He was hitting at a 280 clip in the 11 games leading up to the injury, but also hit four home runs. In his first 10 games after coming back, he began pretty hot on a 310 clip with five more home runs and a 714 slugging percentage. All told, he adds nine home runs and 30 RBI, but his season batting average drops a little bit from 303 to 301. However, when I get to his career numbers, his uh, career average may go up since he's currently at 284. To finish up 1996 uh, while adding the 21 injury erased games, all three parts of his season slash line drop to 301, 386, 626. He has 192 hits, so close to 200, but get this gang, he's now got 58 home runs, which would have been a career high. He also has a huge RBI total of 170, which is also a new career high and not by an insignificant margin. He already had 140 for the 1996 season, and his career high was 147 in 1997. 
these numbers lead me to believe that if he did not break his hamate bone, that he may have won the American League MVP that year. Juan Gonzalez won the award. This is going to be a 2J project, so I will pause for the Mariner trivia question at this time. It's got to be a junior, doesn't it? In his MVP season of 1997, he led the American League in six offensive categories. What were they? Answer following a word from Built Bar. Lest I remind you, ladies and gentlemen, that I am indeed a fat ass. I do not eat what does not taste good. Built Bar makes a great snack for someone like me who knows that he should eat healthier but won't sacrifice taste for nutrition. They taste great. They're low sugar, low calorie, and high in protein. And they would make a great post-workout protein boost or a quick breakfast on the go. Go to BuiltBar.com to build your own box of the flavors you'd most like to try and give the new flavors a shot too. Peanut butter banana, pineapple upside down cake, coconut pecan, and blueberry lemon. And remember, the nut-free flavors are all made in a peanut and tree nut-free facility. So what are you waiting for? Go to BuiltBar.com right now. You can do that and listen to this show at the same time. Remember to use the promo code Locked On for $10 off your first order. Even better, all this week you can get $5 off every box of bars and you can even use the aforementioned promo code in concurrence with this special. You can't beat that, gang. BuiltBar.com, promo code locked on, and an additional $5 off each box. Answer to the Mariners trivia question. In 1997, Ken Griffey Jr. won the MVP award and led the American League in the following six offensive categories. Runs with 125, home runs with 56, RBI with 147, as we mentioned earlier, slugging percentage with 646, total bases at 393, and intentional walks with 23. More Locked On Mariners from Wallace, Idaho, after the following. This podcast is sponsored by the audiobook edition of 24, Life Stories and Lessons from the Say Hey Kid. In this reflective and inspirational memoir, the legendary Willie Mays shares the inspirations and influences responsible for guiding him on and off the field. Widely regarded as the greatest all-around player in baseball history, the beloved Willie Mays offers people of all ages his lifetime of experience meeting challenges with positivity, integrity, and triumph. This special audiobook production includes a forward read by Bob Costas and a bonus conversation with Willie Mays and co-author John Shea. Whether you miss seeing your favorite players on the field this season or are looking for the perfect Father's Day gift, 24 is the inspiring story of one of sports fans' favorite living legends. Buy the audiobook edition of 24 now wherever audiobooks are sold. Now time for the second half of Locked On Mariners. Once again, your host, D.C. Lundberg. Yes, indeed. Thank you very much again, J.M. Locked On Mariners on location in Wallace, Idaho, is about to go into the second half. Today, seeing what Ken Griffey Jr.'s career stats may have looked like if the 1994 strike never happened, and also if he didn't suffer from so many injuries, both in Cincinnati and Seattle. In the first half, we projected out his 1994 and 1996 seasons, since they'd be the easiest to deal with. In the second half, I'm going to play with his 1995 numbers, and I'm going to go a 
about it very differently since he never got on track in 95 because of that wrist injury. He only hit 258 for the season, which is nowhere near a Ken Griffey Jr. batting average. I'm going to go about this multiple ways. First, I'm going to do the same thing I did for everyone else at the beginning of 1995, take his first 18 games and duplicate them to mimic the 18 games erased by the strike at the beginning of the season. Or so I thought. As it turns out, he got off to a red-hot start in his first nine games, but in games 10 through 18 went ice cold, and his batting average went from 333 to 262. So I'm actually going to take his first nine games and double those to make 18. It's much more favorable to his batting average, and he gains one more home run this way rather than just simply taking those first 18 games. With this alone, his season batting average goes from 258 to 273. He's so far got 23 home runs and 58 runs batted in. For the 73 games missed in the middle of the season, I'm going to take 73 games from that same rough time frame in 1993, 1994, 96, and 97 and average those to mimic the 73 games lost because of the broken wrist in 1995. Since he never got on track following the injury, I feel like this would be a better representation of what he may have done if the injury never occurred. Also, I'm going to include the game in which he broke his wrist in his 1995 totals for two reasons. One, it happened late in the game and he had three at-bats, and two, he was having a good game. I'm going to pretend that instead of breaking his wrist, Junior just got the wind knocked out of him or something, so he's able to return the next day. The rough time frame we're looking at is May 27th through August 14th. And wouldn't you know it, in 1993, Junior missed four games beginning on August 12th. Of course. From May 17th to August 14th, he played 67 games. So I'll add three games before and after that time frame to get 73. He hit 320 during the sample stretch and also hit 24 home runs and drove in 56 runs. He was also walked intentionally eight times. 1994 is interesting. The season ended with the last game being played August 11th. From May 27th to the end of the season, the Mariners got in 66 games. And since this isn't an exact science, I'll just include the 70 games prior to May 27th to get 73. During this period, he hit 319 and smashed 23 home runs. He was also walked intentionally 14 times. 1996 is another odd situation. This period of games includes the time he missed due to his broken hamate bone. So I will simply add the 21 games I added to his 1996 season totals in the previous segment. During the 73-game stretch at the same point of the 1997 season, I expected him to have really spectacular numbers, but this actually is the worst season of the four somehow. He hit 289 during this period, the only sample size here that's below 300, and hit 19 home runs. Both of these are the lowest totals of this aggregate, although he did hit 20 doubles, which is the highest total, but not by much. So the average we get for the 73-game stretch during the similar time period in 1993, 94, 96, and 97 is 24 added home runs, 64 more RBI, 9 more intentional walks, 88 more hits, 285 more at-bats, and a slash line of 309, 389, 630. 
which, oddly enough, is remarkably similar to his real-life slash lines at this point in his career. With these totals added to 1995, his batting average goes way up, from 258 to 290. He now has 47 home runs for this season, along with 122 runs batted in, 27 doubles, and 177 hits. He has 19 intentional walks and a slash line of 290, 393, 567. Since he needed to restart his season after coming back from injury, and those games are counted here, I have no trouble believing that Junior would have actually done better than these numbers. This 567 slugging percentage, for example, while much better than his real-life 1995 slugging percentage of 481, is much lower than his slugging numbers from 1993, 94, 96, or 1997. He wouldn't have a slugging average below 600 until his injury-riddled seasons with Cincinnati which we will get to tomorrow. So far, accounting for the games missed by the 1994-95 strike and the games lost to injury in 1995 and 1996, Junior's career home run total has risen from the 630 he already has to 683. So it appears as if he's not going to come close to 800 home runs, and he may even miss out on the all-time record. However, he's a shoe-in for 700-plus and will probably at least catch Babe Ruth. In addition, he's got 2,983 career hits now, so he's also going to become a member of the 3,000 Hit Club. We'll complete this project uh, tomorrow after looking at the time missed in Cincinnati. In the interim, please remember to download, rate, and subscribe to Locked On Mariners on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or whichever podcasting app that you can think of. Follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners, and follow me on Twitter as well at DC underscore Lundberg. Tomorrow, we will finish up the Ken Griffey Jr. project, trying to find out how close he'd come not only to Hank Aaron's career home run record, but let's see how close he gets to 800 home runs. Yes, that's going out on a limb, and no, I have not done any more projections yet. In fact, I didn't start doing any math whatsoever until I started writing this show. I write this show and do the math at the same time. In any case, join us tomorrow to see what Ken Griffey Jr.'s alternate universe career numbers are as the Locked On Mariners party in the panhandle continues. This is Joey Martin speaking for Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Ask your smart device to play Locked On MLB upon the conclusion of this program. 